NFT. NFT. NFTs. NFTs. Non-fungible tokens or NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is Zenchats. I am Zeneca. Let's talk NFTs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Zen Chats. I'm Zeneca, and I'm here with Chris Wallace, uh, an amazing person that I've known in the space. We've circled each other, we've chatted online, and I'm just thrilled to have him here on the uh, on the podcast. He is the founder of UltraDAO, the project lead at Woody's, which is just a phenomenal, amazing, family-friendly, cute, fantastic NFT project I've loved for a while. Um, an artist, NFT artist yourself. And yeah, it's just a treat to have you here. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I, I've I've uh, been a fan for a long time. Like you said, we've we've sort of circled each other, um, and just haven't really had the chance to sit down and and uh, have a nice chat. So it's great to be here. We we <laughs> we co-tweeted something yesterday. We did. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know what that is yet. I don't, really, I don't either. Twitter thing. Yeah. No. I heard somebody. Um, a friend of mine was was talking about co-tweets. I didn't know. I thought. I thought he was talking about an old social media platform called CoTweet, but then I, <laughs> but then I obviously found out that there was a thing called CoTweeting, yeah. and so you had you had tweeted something, and then I was like, I was retweeting it, and it sh- it popped up literally while I was retweeting it, um, yeah. and adding you know text, and so I was like, oh, I'll just you know send this over, <laughs> send, send this over to Seneca and see if he wants to um, CoTweet, yeah. and so you accepted it, and that's both of our first CoTweet. Uh, it's live now. <laughs> yep. um, what did you call it? You I, said it was I a, mean, I, a co quo retweet, <laughs> right? So you, <laughs> you we co tweeted. Yeah. Um, I was going to say you you co tweeted, but right. that doesn't make sense. We co tweeted, and then I commented, and then I retweeted, and it was like a co quo retweet. Yeah, <laughs> inception. Tweet session. It was great. Uh, anyway, I'm sure we're maybe boring some of the listeners talking about our tweeting. Um, I always like to dig into and, and get into the background of my guests because I think that's, it, honestly, I, uh, I think it's fascinating. Everyone has such interesting and different journeys into this whole crazy Web3 NFT space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, take us through. What were you doing pre-NFTs and how did you find yourself in this in this NFT space? Sure. So I was actually um, an executive at a design agency and um, was, you know, doing work with all types of different businesses, mainly building out uh, like WordPress websites. And so I was, I was the vice president of the design team. Um, so I had a team of about 20 designers um, that I would work with uh, and hire to, you know, to, to bring onto the team and, and things like that. And um you know, I, I actually got started in NFTs from um, working with and hiring a, a designer who um, was a visual artist as well. And so he was, um, you know, making these cool little like marbles um, that he was uh, minting on foundation. And I didn't know what foundation was. So, you know, I kind of heard about it, saw you know, some of the stuff that he was doing just through our, our chats. And then he asked me, Hey, do you want an invite? And I was like, I don't know what that means, but sure. Like I'll, <laughs> I'm always down to, you know, kind of try new things and, and look at new technologies and stuff like that. And so he invited me to foundation. I, um, started making art, uh, just because I'm, I'm a designer. I like visual arts, you know, I, I like digital, um, you know, uh, stuff like, like cool animations and 
you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I hadn't really gotten into it myself, but I was like, I'll try it. You know, I'll just see kind of where this goes. And so I started creating stuff. And um, the I think the first thing I made was uh, just some some weird, like abstract uh, animation that I uploaded, you know, to foundation and somebody bid on it. And I was like, why would anybody want this? You know what I mean? Like, it, I thought yeah. it was cool. I thought it was cool. You know, don't get me wrong, but I was like, why would anybody want this? And when, when yeah. was this like timeline wise? This was back in was this last year. This was, yeah, this was back in 2021. So it was, um, it was really like February, March timeframe, I believe. So, mm. yeah. So I just started like basically uploading these pieces and people would bid on them. They would sell and I would freak out because every time I realized somebody <laughs> wants this, like it was just this weird new relationship that I'd never really thought about before uh, with collectors. And from there, obviously, I got into collecting. I started, you know, UltraDAO a few months later, um, you know, started kind of building a community around all of this, uh, you know, new new world that I had found. And then eventually quit my job um, in August when we were getting really serious with uh, launching the Woody's project. And, you know, from there, you know, I've just been in the space full time since then. Yeah. Amazing. It sounds like we got into the space around the same time, uh, early 2021. Uh, yeah, which I, I think there's like a lot of people got into the space that that time. There's not too many people who got in during 2019, 2020. That's, that's like bear market time. No one was yeah, really caring yeah, about it. Yeah. I mean, that was like the, the OGs for sure um, mm-hmm. before us. So I think a lot of people yeah. got in around that time. Obviously, like, you know, when our Twitter following started taking off, it, it got pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what you're at yeah. now, but like, it was just an explosion of people entering the space and wanting, you know, kind of thirsting for this knowledge of this new technology um, and crypto art and everything, uh, which has been really, really awesome. Yeah. It's been, I, I kind of have called it a digital renaissance, um, yeah. you know, to, to sort of see all these new um, ways of creating and, and, you know, putting your art out into the world uh, has been really, really interesting. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, digital renaissance. I think, I, I mean, I fully agree. And I think we're still like in the really early stages of that. Like we've seen what's possible and like a few people have experimented with it. But in terms of like percentage of the world, it's a fraction of a fraction mm-hmm. of a, a percent. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned UltraDAO. Uh, take us through what, what UltraDAO is, how it started, and, and maybe w- what you're up to these days with it. Yeah, so UltraDAO, um, it really started out initially just as this small idea within another uh, sort of group of of collectors and friends where we were trying to collect these pieces from an artist named Liquid Density. And he had sort of set up this really cool system where he had factions and different factions were sort of competing against each other um, to to acquire these pieces and then have these specific powers that, you know, that they hold with with those pieces. And so um, there was a point where I basically um, said to the group, like, hey, why don't we start a DAO? I mean, not not fully knowing what that meant uh, at the time. Yeah. Why don't we start a DAO and we'll pool, pool our funds and we can actually go out and just level everybody. We can just go buy all these pieces. <laughs> we can sort of hoard everything. Um, and um, you know, we talked about it, we joked about it, but at the end of the day, we were like, let's, let's, let's actually do it. Um, and people were like, wow, like you guys are getting 
really serious, really fast. Yeah. And we. <laughs> what's funny is we started it. We didn't actually end up buying any of the the pieces using DAO funds, but we <laughs> but we did end up um, sort of taking that into collecting other uh, other NFTs. So we um, you know had a small group that joined the DAO, mostly artists, but also um, a few collectors like Guy Norcal. Um, if you're familiar with Guy. Um, yeah, is a part of it and some other folks that, that joined us. And so we would just go out and, um, collect what we consider to be historically relevant and, you know, culturally sort of important, um, NFTs. And so we were out there collecting Yatrita pieces, which are, are really amazing and incredible. Um, we were collecting like documentary style videos that were minted on the blockchain. So all these different, really cool, um, you know, pieces from different countries and different artists in those different places. So um, we we have a nice little, um, you know, collection now, but we have since sort of pivoted away from the collecting mm-hmm. aspect and are focusing more so on the creator side and sort of incubating ideas and creativity uh, at this point. So it's it's definitely pivoted. Um, we launched Woody's out of UltraDAO. It was our first big project that we sort of incubated. Um, so we launched that back in like September uh, last year, 2021. And um, out of that, you know, obviously we sold that out in about 30 minutes um, with a kind of a unique mid-pass system similar to Pixel Vault. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, I was actually, I was on vacation and I, like I just got back, like, and within one or two days, I was still in like a real rusty, blurry, non-minting mode. Um and then I saw, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Rose tweeted yeah, about it. And I was like, huh, these look good. I looked at the website. I clicked through, saw UltraDAO. I was like, interesting, interesting. looks cool. Right, I'm going to mint some, I'm going to mint some. And then, yeah, it was a really fun, cool experience. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, what, what I consider to be like a really nice mint experience because it wasn't the gas wars. Everybody's like competing to, to sort of get, you know, an NFT and pay mm. exorbitant amounts to miners and stuff like that. Um, and then there was also a really cool reveal process. I don't know if you went through it, but when you actually yeah. turn your mint pass into, you know, we called it the adoption uh, process or whatever, and you would adopt a Woody, you would, you would you know, travel to uh, Wonder Mist Forest and you would sort of see yourself, you know, kind of set down there and it would reveal live um, because it was all, you know, 100% live generation. They weren't pre, you know, determined mm. or anything like that. So at the time of Mint, it was literally giving you all of the traits and combining them all in real time um, and revealing them live right in front of you, which was a really cool experience. Um, I know I sat down with my kids and um, went through the process a number of times because, you know, I, I had to, yeah. I had to buy, I don't know why, but I bought so many uh, Mint passes. <laughs> I had like 120 or something. And so I just kept minting over and over. Um, and you could do like That's 20 awesome. at a time. So you could kind of just like click through all of them and, and sort of see what you got, um, which was a really cool experience. So, yeah, no, that, that was so much fun. I definitely remember doing that with mine and just like, like you said, generated at mint where most projects don't do that. They like pre-select, they generate behind the scenes and get 10,000 together. And then they randomly allocate those yeah, 10,000. Exactly. They've got the, the 10,000 set. 
Um, we sort of jumped ahead a bit though. Like, uh, let's go back to what Woody's is and where the idea for Woody's came from. Yeah. So Woody's was really our first project um, through UltraDAO. Um, the idea actually came about on Twitter. Um, we have one of our artists, uh, Lucrest, who's very well-known uh, digital artist. Some call some consider his style to be sort of a glitch, um, you know, hand-drawn style. Um, he actually was just sort of playing around with this idea of, you know, minting 10,000 planks of wood so that he could build himself a, a house. And yeah. I was just kind of joking, you know, with him on Twitter saying, call it Woody's, you know, and, and it'll <laughs> mint out, you know, 10K in, in you know, yeah. no time. It'll be sold out super quick. And, you know, we just sort of joked about it. And then in our group chat with our, our UltraDAO group chat with all these artists and, and collectors, we just sort of, you know, started riffing on ideas and throwing ideas back mm -hmm. and forth. And it was like one in the morning and, and, you know, I created this, this Woody's Twitter account and just started like tweeting all of these memes about, um, there was one, there's this one gif, um, where it's, it's like Tinder. So it's like this guy swiping right on like wood, just like uh, blocks of wood. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were, we were just having a good time, just like, you know, um, yeah. just, just <laughs> playing with all the, the different ideas and, um, he actually, so, uh, Lucrest actually went in and, you know, designed this like wooden plank. Um, and we put that up on Twitter and everybody was like, oh, this is really fun and, and interesting. And so we started just like riffing on this idea of what is a Woody. Um, we actually ended up getting all the, the artists together, um, from the DAO and we sort of told them, you know, go off and create what you think a Woody looks like. And so they all kind of went to their corners and drew, you know, whatever, whatever they thought that would be as a, as a PFP. And one of our artists, uh, Jay 838, um, came back with these cute little like humanoid shaped creatures that were sort of reminiscent of like Pinocchio mm. and everybody's just sort of gravitated to it. They were like, oh, that, that's it. Like, that's the, that's the, the concept. Um, and I think everybody liked this idea of like a wooden plank, but we felt like it was a bit shallow, um, yeah. you know, and, and really more of like a meme, um, which obviously memes have, have their place and it's, you know, the goblin towns of the world are pretty, uh, yeah. you know, do, doing fine. I mean, they're, you know, the memes are doing fine, but, um, you know, we sort of decided like, Hey, we really want this to be a project, like a, a fairly serious project where we're building a world around all of this and, and building this. Um, IP that we can then sort of take in different directions and build a story uh, and all of that. So that that's really where it came from. Um, you know, from there, we we sort of, um, you know, released that 10K and now we're working on, you know, 3D uh, Woodies, which will be in Decentraland. Uh, really, it's going to be the first PFP collection to be in Decentraland. There's a few that have been approved, but none that have actually hmm. made it and, and been released into Decentraland as a linked wearable. Um, and then we're also working on a, a short film as well, which will be released in August, um, which is, in my opinion, going to be really some of the best content we've seen from an NFT project. Um, we're working with a partner, uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, called Woodblock. <laughs> Um, and they are an animation, coincidence? animation studio. Yeah. We, I don't know how we got connected with them. Uh, Richard 
um, who is our CMO and, and community manager of sorts, he, he actually uh, got connected with them somehow and sort of brought them to the table. And uh, yeah, it was just like Woody's plus woodblock. Like, why wouldn't we? You know, and, and the yeah. the work that they have done in the past is just incredible. It's I mean, it's like the the top quality animation um that you would see from like DreamWorks or Pixar, right? Like, um, and that was exactly the type of partner that that we really knew, you know, would would be a good fit for us. That's really exciting. So. Yeah. I I you mentioned Richard. I was really hoping to meet him at in Amsterdam for Met Ams. There was we were again circling each other, and he had a speech, and I had a speech, and there was an event, and I couldn't go to that because I had this and this. And I was like, ah. Yeah. And then in, in New York, we were going to do a walk, and then and I then had, you got I was stuck COVID, with COVID yeah. in my hotel room. So it's That's a bummer. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but life goes on. Yeah. Um, you you've touched on the the story and the narrative and the the lore a bit for Woody's, and I think that's something that's always appealed to me. That. I mean, for projects in general, I think that story-driven projects have so much more depth and substance to them. And that's something that Woody's has always, I think, done really well from day one. Um, what has your process been like? Do, do you have a creative writer, creative writers on staff, people working on this lore? Um, and, and was that like a conscious decision from day one or did you pivot into that after a while? Yeah. So, I mean, I think after we launched um, and really before, you know, we had we had this sense that we wanted it to be deeper than just a PFP project, which is why we introduced core characters, um, you know, really early on uh, when we when we initially dropped, you know, we sort of released these core characters over time and um, gave them stories as we dropped them. So each one comes out with very rich backstory and lore that everybody that is following along can really kind of dig into and and you know sort of experience. Um, and that's going to get, you know, deepened even further, you know, once we've actually got some animated content and things like that. Uh, but we do have somebody, we have a, we have a, um, a story lead, uh, Crystal, who does a phenomenal job. Um, and she's been working hard for the past few months to expand, uh, and sort of deepen the lore and, and sort of round it out, uh, beyond the initial story, which, um, came out as we, as we dropped those uh, core characters over time. Um, so yeah, she's, she's done a phenomenal job. Obviously a lot of that is going to be included in this initial, uh, short film, but then beyond that, there's going to be a lot of things that actually, uh, include and, and sort of bring the, um, the holders along in the story as well. And so that's, I think one part of it that you can't ignore, especially with the a more decentralized, uh, brand and approach is, you know, the the narrative of what happens on the blockchain and uh, otherwise, you know, sort of helps define that story. Um, yeah. And so that's something that we definitely want to weave uh, as part of that narrative over time too. There's so many like interesting things you can do with collectors when they hold part of the collection. Like, uh, yeah, you can include them into the na- the narrative and the story and de- decision making we've seen with projects where the the community that can decide what happens to these characters and all sorts of fascinating things. Um, what are your, um, I guess, like longer term like goals or plans for for Woody's in term like I'm talking like five years, ten years down the line. Is this are you trying to build a massive universe, an IP thing? Um, is it more heavily onto the metaverse side or are you like traditional animations and stuff? Do you, have you thought about it too much? I think, 
I mean, obviously, like we have we have uh, dreams, you know, for sure of of making it a really huge, um, you know, sort of entertainment media. Mm. Great example of sort of decentralized version um, on that that sort of originated on the blockchain. Obviously, like that that would be a huge goal of ours is really taking that as far as we can. I think the the big thing for us now is escape velocity outside of the um, sort of the NFT and Web three bubble. Um, mm. is sort of the first step for us is how do we gain, you know, the awareness from people outside of that bubble? Um, how do we build a fandom around Woody's and these characters that are so cute and, you know, interesting and have depth and, and, you know, uh, their stories have meaning. Um, obviously there's an environmentalist sort of bent to everything that we do. Um, it is telling an important story to future generations. And so the more that we can continue to, to sort of pass that along, um, the better off, you know, I think everybody will be. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's definitely a huge goal of ours. I mean, it, it really, for us, it's, um, content creation, uh, you know, obviously animated feature films, TV series. We're not super particular on which one to do first obviously mm-hmm. we're starting with a short film to to sort yeah. of get something out there that people can connect with and, and sort of learn the story um really quickly and then from there you know we'll we'll branch into everything right it'll be merchandise yeah. toys games you know you name it all the good stuff yeah all the fun yeah. stuff yeah 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 um do you want to take us through or rather listeners through like the, the story, the overarching lore of Woody's like the, you mentioned there was like a really important message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the main story kind of starts with Arden, who is our protagonist of sorts and in the, um, the Woody's origin story. And Arden basically is, um, you know, just a tree in the forest at first. And then, uh, all of a sudden he's sort of awakened, uh, to all of his friends, you know, and, and other trees sort of being gone and, and he's, uh, been turned into a Woody and he sort of has to go and find his friends and understand what, what happened, uh, to them. And so he goes on this journey, uh, where he is, you know, sort of walking through, uh, you know, part of the forest is, has been completely, you know, knocked down and, and hauled away, um, by, you know, the, uh, the logger who is sort of the bad guy, um, at at least initially. And so he sort of has to figure out, okay, like, who can I trust? How do I, how do I find, um, you know, the, the rest of my family and friends. And, uh, so he goes off and he, he starts searching. Um, and that's where he encounters, um, others in the forest. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into it because anybody that (laughs) wants to learn more about it can obviously, um, you know, dig into it and sort of understand, uh, better what happens there. Um, but eventually he does end up, you know, at the, the loggers, you know, yard, um, and has to, you know, figure out how to rescue, uh, rescue his friends. So. Amazing. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of depth to it and yeah, you didn't go all the way into it, but it's there and it exists. And I really encourage everyone go check it out and, and, dig into it like the, it just it's fascinating so um yeah yeah i mean what's what's interesting there so there are a lot of characters that um have roots in um things that we have done right um 
part of the the lore actually is like the logger comes from uh his literal likeness comes from our our dev uh bitcoinski who um literally looks exactly like him like <laughs> we, he was drawn to look exactly like him and it, i didn't realize that <laughs> it's it is amazing um and uh our our lead one of our lead artists gossamer who did all the uh core characters finally like at least you know collected all the ideas drew a lot of them from scratch also took a few of the the concepts and sort of made you know fin finished the concepts out and and delivered them um but sh she just came in and we sort of told her you know what ideas we had and she she would pull from ideas and and you know, things from her background as a tattoo artist um, and sort of just combine all these things. And, you know, there's there's really amazing masks. And if you're familiar with Tiger Bob, I mean, there's there's like uh, yeah. tiger masks and lion masks and all these different, you know, sort of these like cultural, um, you know, nods to, to different things that are just gorgeous, just amazing. And we, you know, we've been working with our animation studios for bring those to life. And, and, um, Gossamer has been, uh, designing all of the concept art and everything, uh, for the animation studio. And they've literally brought all of these characters to life in just the most incredible way. Um, so we're, we're very excited for that part to, to sort of, cause it, it's one thing to see just a PFP, right. Or to, to see, yeah. you know, um, the potential in, you know, because we always talk about like, oh, Basie, you have commercial rights or Woody's, you have commercial rights, you can do whatever you want. But until you actually go out and do something with it, it's still just a PFP. It's still just art, right? Yeah. Um, and I think once people see the potential of what can be done uh, through something like this, yeah. through a short film, um, they're going to understand, you know, kind of what we're talking about. Um with how important it is to to own these these characters and and you know develop stories and um to bring them to life through animation and whatnot so it's pretty exciting stuff yeah i mean we it sounds super exciting we saw it a little bit with the um the other side trailer like the 30 second clip or whatever that yeah. um, Google labs dropped yeah it generated so much buzz and excitement because it was a cool video it was like really well made fun it was like Fortnite, these characters right? came to life exactly yeah, yeah. And it had like, you know, you saw the apes and then there's like World of Women and Cryptodes and a bunch of characters in, in this vehicle. And it was like, oh, the, this is like all these PFPs come to life and animated and, and there's life, you know, blown into them. And, and we're going to see so much more of that, I think, over the next next few years. Definitely. Um, it's going to well, be really, it, really it, exciting. It takes, a, it takes a while to develop um, really yeah. quality, you know, content. So um, I think a lot of people currently, all the speculators in this space don't have enough patience, right? Like, cause they need to get their investment out of whatever projects yeah. they're in. So, you know, I think eventually you're going to start to see these, these um, collections sort of turn over to real fans. Um, real fans will start buying in as they become fans of, of these brands that are getting out of the bubble of, you know, of crypto and yeah. NFTs. So, and that I think is really going to be the true test for whether these projects will be successful or not is when we see, can they, can they get to a, a real fandom, um, you know, and not just people that are asking when price go up? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're sort of like, we're recording this in July 2022. So like in the depths of a pretty significant bear market for NFTs, for crypto, for the macro, everything. Um, and a lot of projects have like 
you know, almost every project has their floor tanked a ton. And like people have just left the space. Like engagement is down. There's far fewer people on Twitter and discords and Twitter spaces. And it's like those speculators have like largely been flushed out. And I mean, I think this is kind of a healthy thing for the market. I think it's, it's, it sucks for people that lost money and were overextended, but like lesson learned, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's going to be really telling the projects that stick around, the community that stick around, that are still here three months, six months, one year, two years from now, um, that have been building, creating this IP, this law, this story, this community uh, to really, yeah, sort of reach the next wave, the next generation. And I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on, on this whole bear market we're in right now? Just add, like from the perspective of, you know, project leader Woody's, but also just as a collector and, and participating yeah, in the space. I mean, it's, it, it definitely, um, it's a learning experience, I think, for a lot of us. I know it's a learning experience for me, just, just in general, just because like NFTs for me didn't exist, you know, uh, as far as I understood them um, before, you know, February or March of 2021. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, everything was up only, everything was being minted out, you know, immediately. And now we're starting to understand what does it look like when it's not, right? And so, I mean, for me, like, I think it's a really good learning experience um, Mm -hmm. to understand sort of what is it going to be like when it's not just a bunch of people, you know, hyped for the next mint? And how do you deliver something that's really really high quality that they want because at the end of the day we're you know we're selling you know an idea a concept right it's not just a an you know an nft that is a, also a financial instrument that people are just trying to eke you know money out of um yeah i think for us it's like how do we build something that it goes so far beyond that that people can just be a fan of and you know participate uh, with, and, and so that for us, like, it's a good time to build. It's a good time to kind of buckle down and, um, you know, sort of consider those next steps and, and really get all the distractions away and just really focus in on, on what is the value that we're delivering to our community. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, for us, it's just time to, time to get to work and, and prove it, you know, yeah. that, that this idea is something that, um, will be important. So I think, I mean, there's that cliche at this point, bear markets are for builders. Um, and you can't think of build without thinking of K money at this point, but <laughs> um, it's so true though. Like it, this is really the time where, and I, I hear so many people who are like actually building, working on projects, creating stuff. They're like, they relish this bear market because it's like all the distraction and noise of speculation and, and mania is like, it's disappeared and it's quiet and you can focus on, doing what you said you were going to do or creating a new idea and coming up with a new idea. And yeah, yeah. it's, it's a good time. Um, minus the fact that our bags are all down 90%. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to bring it back to the, the ultra DAO um, before we wrap up, because sure. I, I think DAOs are fascinating and there's a, a lot of, um, a lot of people don't really understand how DAOs work, what a DAO even is. Um, how, I, I, I'm curious from your perspective as someone who's, founded, created, been part of, and is an active participant in a DAO, like what is required in your opinion for a DAO to like work properly or to be a success? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, you know, for the first thing is like DAOs can be anything, right? So um, at the end of the day, it's, it's just a, a an organization um, structure that's 
that can be loosely defined, right? And and the blockchain sort of helps us in that, you know, we can vote on things, we can pool money, we can do all these things financially that sort of support those organizations, but they can be wildly different. Um, and I think, you know, to be successful, you really have to define sort of what your goals are um, and also explain to people uh, really well, how can you get involved in achieving these goals? Um, I think one thing that we've had trouble with at UltraDAO is getting people involved and having contributors sort of enter that are not super comfortable with the blockchain or, you know, interacting as like sort of a, almost mm. like an a independent contractor in a sense where they just request money to do things. And, you know, yeah. like it's it's a very sort of foreign thing because normally you you think about getting a job and you're like, oh, I go apply, you know, talk to some hiring manager and like seven other people. And they tell me if they're going to give me money or not in exchange for me working mm-hmm. for them. And then they give me a job description and all of that. Um, DAOs are, are much more open-ended in a lot of ways. And so you have to sort of understand how do we teach people what that interaction looks like um, and, and how they can get involved and how they can... Because, I mean, you look at something like nouns, right? And they sort of are just like, hey, bring us a proposal that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what you need and you might get funding for it and you can just go do it, Yeah. right? And that's scary to a lot of people. They don't have a whole lot of people submitting proposals, at least not serious proposals that are getting accepted. And I think like, People need to realize this is a this is a really cool time to to sort of be alive and be a a person that that can do those types of that type of work and and those types of jobs. Um, you know, to be able to just say like, "Hey, I want to do this. Here's a proposal. Give me money." And they're like, "Yeah, cool." Like, yeah, it's just such a strange thing. Um, and so I think if you can really unlock like you know for, for people in their minds the the potential and an understanding of how to get that done. Um, I think that that makes it a lot more successful. Um, and that's really, I think, where we're trying to head as as more of like this creativity incubator of sorts. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the word that really stood out to me there was unlock. And I think that's something that's really, it's unlocking um, your own personal mindset and, and worldview, really. Like in, in so many instances, we have to relearn how to live in this new blockchain web three world. Cause it is so different even from like the beginning of, Hey, look at a JPEG. This JPEGs worth thousands of dollars. Like that doesn't make sense. We, like this, those of us who grew up with the internet. Rock, it, we, look at my ether rock. It is, it is $1 million. I mean, that still doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you right click save doesn't make sense. But eventually it's like, all right, you, you unlock this understanding of, of how this world works and the yeah. potential is monumental. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been a tremendously enjoyable conversation. Um, before we wrap up, uh, two things. One, is there anything else you want to touch on or mention, tell people that we haven't touched on yet? And then secondly, if, if you want to tell people where we can, where they can find you, learn more about Woody's or UltraDAO if they're interested, all, all the good stuff, shill your links, basically. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, you can find me personally at um, Chris Wallace on Twitter. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. So, twitter.com slash Chris Wallace. And then you can find basically all things UltraDAO related, uh, including Woody's at ultradao.org. Amazing. And we'll have links to those uh, down below. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. It's awesome. been a true pleasure. Thank yeah. you, sir. I, I, I get, 
I could talk to you for hours and hours, like I, I was saying before we started, but yeah. Time to build. Time to build. All right. Take care. Have a wonderful day. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to Zen Chats with Zenica. Please consider subscribing to the podcast so that you are notified of future episodes. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel for the video version of this episode. For even more podcasting fun, check out the other podcast I co-host, Two Board Apes. If you enjoy my content, please consider joining us at Zen Academy, a place where anyone, anywhere, at any level can learn about NFTs and Web3. All of the links are in the description below. I'll catch you next time.